And we are live for the second straight night. We're we're back. Bronx Bomber Babble. Same three. Me, Matt. You can call me Luigi. You can call me Luzzy. Call me. You call me whatever. And we got Nick. We got Andrew. How you guys doing? What's up, Lou? I'm fantastic. Andrew, it sounds like you lagged a little bit there. You good? I am perfectly fine, brah. Okay, I, I'm glad to see we all got our little Abby's going on the dances. It just took him a second to put his uh, his nachos down. Yeah, I was about to say. Big fan of the nachos. All right, so today on today's show, uh, you know, obviously spring training's slow, but we would, we just wanted to do a podcast, and we're going to talk about some spring training notes to start off the show. And where where else can we start with other than Miguel Anduar, who hit not his third, but his also his fourth home run of spring today, and we're only, I mean, we're, we still got a whole month of spring ball to go. Guys, what the hell's gotten into Miguel Andoar? Guy is a stud, simply put. Well, this is what I wrote about in that article. Um, some people are going to sit here and say, oh, Drury answered back, and to that I say, that's cute. I remember when Andujar had just one home run. So, look, I think that this is a guy who needs to have the third base job out of camp obviously Torres is going to be sent down for a couple weeks so if you want to put Drury there that's fine but Andujar needs to be given a chance at third base I think it's, it's especially important for this season because if he turns out and plays up to the caliber that we expect him to then Yankees might not have to splurge on say a Manny Machado next year which would be huge if you can save that money and allocate it somewhere else and to be honest what is the fear with him defensively I mean we got by a couple years ago with Chase Headley when he had the yips, couldn't throw the ball to first base. Good time. Uh, we got by with Starlin Castro last year, too. I mean, a questionable player well, in the infield is not new to them, and his bat more than makes up for it. He's proven it in the past few days. And, Andrew, you just said before, he just saw two pitches, well, and they both went out. Yeah, that's not necessarily something that's going to repeat – to the, uh, yeah, the regular course, season, first course, not, swing. Not, but it's just, it's very impressive to do. And it's so early in spring. And there, there's a And legit- it shows he's got the aggression. He's got the, the confidence in his swing. And he's not just getting up there overwhelmed by major league pitching, even though he's only had seven major league bats. Well, and it's probably fair to also keep in mind, too, that he's probably not hitting against the best of the best pitchers in the major leagues. But I think it still shows something. This guy is coming out. He's playing hard. He's putting his best foot forward. He wants this job, and he's been very humble about it in, inter- in interviews, pretty much saying the same thing, like, hey, man, I'm just here to you know work and get that job. And I love that. I love that attitude that he knows he's got to you know pay his dues and work his way up, and I am rooting for him hard for him to get that job. Yeah, it's going to be a good competition between him and Drury. Uh, Drury also went deep today, along with uh, – did McKinney go deep as well? McKinney uh-huh. and Tyler Austin also hit home runs. Big dog McKinney hit his second of the spring. That's yeah, so a lot of homers. Another win in spring training for the Yankees. I mean, we Actually, didn't even mention we didn't even mention on yesterday's show that bomb Gary hit over the uh, scoreboard over the O in the George Steinbrenner. That was an, that ball had to be at least 450 feet. I mean, that was a tank. Well, and I think something we were talking about earlier. We were having a very uh, lively discussion about. You know, the top catchers in baseball in a BBB group chat, we were having a discussion about that. And I think that Gary Sanchez is really putting himself in a position to contend with Buster Posey for the best catcher in the Major League Baseball this year. I mean, you look at the guy, he's so underrated. He's got 40 home run power. 
and he gets overlooked so much because you know you have the NL MVP and John Carlos Stanton now on the team, and what I think should have you know rightfully been the AL MVP and Aaron Judge on the team. But you look at a catcher who can throw guys out and in a high 30s uh, percent clip and just elite offensive numbers, you know, hitting 270s, 280s, putting up, you know, he's probably got 40 home run power if he plays a full season. So I'm really excited to hopefully see a full season of Gary Sanchez. And who knows if the guy plays the way he does and hits the way he does at catcher, he might be a dark horse candidate for MVP. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, if you're comparing him to the number one catcher in baseball, which is, uh, I think almost surely Buster Posey, Gary still has the pass ball issue. Uh, which will keep him from the top spot there. But straight up for American League MVP, if he plays a full season this year, uh, you figure maybe f- for a catcher, full season's 130 games. Uh, Romine or Higashioka, whoever's going to be the backup, will we'll get some time. But uh, Gary could hit 35, 40 home runs. He hit, what was it, 310 his first season until the last week when I think he went like over 20 to end the year and dropped him below 300. So, I mean, the guy can swing the stick. Yeah, and Andrew, I don't think you were involved in that discussion, but basically Alex and Nick were telling me that Gary is the best catcher in baseball. And I told them, I said, look, I would take Buster Posey right now over Gotta Gary because he's just a better overall catcher. The guy's been doing it for nine years. And it's been, I mean, I know the World Series thing because also Pablo Sandoval also has three World Series. I know, but. Buster's won an MVP though, already. Yeah, he's an MVP. The guy, I mean, he's a 308 career hitter. The guy is. Outstanding catcher, and I know I'm I'm a, I'm a homer because he went to Florida State, and I still remember that year where he hit over 400 Florida State and won a National Player of the Year as a as a junior, I think. But I, if Gary fixes his blocking and doesn't make double digit errors like he did last year, he's a better catcher than him. It's as simple and, as that. Because a rifle career high at home runs, I believe, is 24. Gary's already surpassed that. I mean, yeah, and get, I I believe I was looking at up earlier, Gary's career caught uh stealing percentage is 39 percent busters at 34 percent so yeah gary has the superior arm obviously the smaller sample size but it's a good debate but i gary has to fix that defense and i think he'll make a step this year but i mean who i don't want to call them out but who said gary was going to win a gold glove this year that would be sean mcguire um we'll address um, that let's address that in a minute but i got a question for you guys go on if so to kind of answer you guys there i have a question for you so say say there was a fantasy draft today and you could select any catcher in major league baseball to to play for the yankees for the next five six years who are you taking are you taking poser are you taking sanchez well, i'll take gary because he's much younger but if it was just for one season or maybe if it was even just for two seasons i would take Posey. but if it was anything See, more yeah. than three seasons i would take uh, mm. sanchez Andrew, who are you I taking? I think in the American League, I would take Gary because when he doesn't catch, he could still play DH. Again, we're not keeping the roster as it's right now. Gary's younger, has more home run potential, uh, and I'm not really so much concerned by his defense for one season or two seasons if that's the hypothetical we're going down. Well, see, for me, I think that Gary is pretty, pretty close with Posey neck and neck. Maybe if you want to give Posey the edge defensively or because of the defense, rather, Right now, that's fine. But when I look at Gary's numbers and the numbers he's put, putting up, you know, hitting 280 while launching 33 home runs, you know, Buster Posey has been a pretty good hitting catcher. But I think that Gary is kind of starting to make those numbers seem a little on the small side. Um, obviously, we've talked about his arm. I think Gary's great at throwing out runners. 
And so to me, I think I think Gary kind of suffers from the overblowing of the defensive issues that Miguel Andujar does. Um, Joe Girardi kind of lashed out at Gary for this and I think kind of made a bigger deal out of Gary's defense than was necessary last year. And so now a lot of people have latched onto this. Um, I will say that the defensive laps did kind of show, I forget which game it was in the ALCS that the throw the came to the plate. Yeah, just completely dropped the ball and the guy was like, out yeah, that was, that was pretty unfortunate. And that, and that can't happen. I'm not that's excusing that. I just can't say he's the best catcher in baseball. Cause that's just so fresh in my memory. I know that's just one play and it could happen to anyone, but he's just had so many defensive lapses in key moments that I, I, I can't crown him as the best catcher in baseball when such a big part of catching is defense. It'd be different if he was, you know, not the best defensive outfielder, not the best defensive second baseman, but being not being a good defensive catcher, it's kind of a big deal. But interesting debate. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I understand he's clear too, right? I mean, if you, you go back a couple of years ago, who are the top guys? You got Jonathan Lucroy, Joe Maurer, Yanni Molina. Those guys are all falling off big time. And Maurer oh, doesn't even play catcher anymore. Victor Martinez, if you want to go a couple of years back, like, Gary's a clear number two, right? I mean, is there anyone else we're missing? No, I no. definitely have Posey Both of them. and Gary. Yeah, I definitely have them number one and two. There's still some well, people it, out there that still put like, oh, Yadier Molina's number one. He has like 100 gold gloves. But, uh, you know, it's right now Yadier Molina's not one of the two best. Well, so, and I guess maybe more what I'm saying is they're pretty close right now. And I think it's pretty reasonable to say that Gary could surpass Posey as the best overall catcher this year. He's coming yeah. to camp a little lighter, I think a little leaner. I don't know, you know, you would think theoretically that might help him be a little more agile and blocking balls and improving his defense. Hopefully that doesn't affect his power and his hitting ability as much, but I don't think it's unrealistic for, I mean, he's only 25. I know that that's actually kind of old for players now, at least a lot of them are coming up in their really early twenties and putting up these elite numbers, but I still think he can improve his defense. And I think in the next year or two, you're definitely going to see him overtake Posey. And that's not so much a knock on Posey so much as it is a compliment for Gary Sanchez. Oh, absolutely. Posey just simply doesn't have half the power that Gary has. Now, I think we should move on over to the starting rotation. And, you know, something I was thinking about was the fact that this, there were stories coming out before spring training when uh, pitchers and catchers started reporting that Chad Green would possibly be a starter this year. And, you know, right away it was Jabba, 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 you know, don't do it. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn about it because I think a guy like him could be a really good starter, but he was just – he was just nasty out of the bullpen last year. Do you got? Do you guys think that we could see Chad Green in a starting role? Say if CC or whoever were to go down for a couple months, do you think Chad Green would get that five spot? Ultimately, it probably I, depends I, when it happens. Um, if it's later in the year, like July or August, you're probably gonna see Justice Sheffield. Uh, if it's you know, God forbid, something happens in April or even in spring training, maybe. Uh, and I'm with you, Luigi. I'm on the fence. Uh, I, 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 I definitely can see what he's capable of as a starter. What was it? Is 2016 where he had that 12 strikeout game against Toronto and looked dominant as a starter. But he was yeah. one of the best relievers, if not the best rel reliever in baseball last year. And it's so hard to pull him out of that role when you have. It, it is, but then at the same time, you look at Canely, you look at Batantis, you look at D-Rob, and I know they weren't as dominant as him most of the year, but he might need to be in that rotation, especially if uh, Gumby can't do what he did last year. Because I, 
I have big doubts about Gumby. For whatever reason, there's something telling me that Gumby comes out and his, he's going to be floating in the high fours, low fives all year. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I could be you know, definitely be wrong, but I just don't see him having the year he had last year. And I think – and who knows with CeCe. I mean, we talk about CeCe. Something I don't like about CeCe is CeCe's skinny again. You guys notice that? <laughs> I'm serious, man. CeCe is – like, he even says it. He's even admitted it, that he's – I think his comfortable playing weight is around 300 pounds. Like, he's said that before in all the interviews and roundtables he does. So, I need to see CeCe maybe – hit that captain crunch a little bit more because I need him at the weight he was last year. Cause that was, that was perfect. That's all you could ask what CC was last year. It's more than you could ask. And it, I have big concerns about that back end of the rotation this year. To me, I don't think you take green out of the relief role because essentially he boils down to a two pitch pitcher, fastball slider. And in today's league, you got to have more than two pitches uh, to go, you know, to be a starter and go more than a couple innings. And Green has done a, a really fantastic job. I mean, he's got one of the nastiest fastballs in all of base, baseball, if you see, see the movement on it. So to me, I think you keep him in that one, two uh, inning at a time role because he thrived there and the team really benefited from it. So in my opinion, if it's not broken, uh, don't fix it because you did see how this went with you know, Jabba Chamberlain and, and Phil Hughes, those guys never panned out to be real elite starters. So when I look at Chad Green, I think he's very limited in the starting uh, rotation because he just doesn't have enough pitches to get by. So I think you've got other internal options you can turn to. Uh, I'd like to see maybe Chance Adams uh, get an opportunity or later on in the year if uh, Justice Sheffield is ready. But to me right now, I would just leave Green where he is. Yeah, I think I would too, but I just know how stacked that bullpen is. And another thing that I was thinking about is I'm not sure how Boone is going to manage the bullpen because for the last decade, the Yankees had a manager that just was obsessed with the bullpen, was just obsessed with managing the bullpen, swapping guys in and out. And to his credit, he was pretty good most of the time. Definitely definitely made some big mistakes, definitely overmanaged a lot, but I think Boone's just going to be a lot more laid back. And I'm not saying he's just going to let uh, the starting pitchers throw 120-plus pitches every game, but I I think he's going to be a lot more lenient with the bullpen and how he works it. And I don't think he's going to use the bullpen as much as Girardi did. It's a shame, though. uh, Joe Girardi actually probably was at his best managing the bullpen in the postseason postseason last year where he peeled away from the designated inning roles – what was it game three when Dylan came in with like the eight, nothing lead and couldn't throw a strike. And he brought in Canely in that spot. It, I think it was one batter, one or two guys getting on from being a safe situation. Uh, and it obviously never escalated there because Canely shut the door, but you know, he could have easily just gone to Robertson or, or Chapman in that, in that situation. Uh, and I think that's the type of guy that Boone is going to be all season. He's not going to put labels on guys. It's not going to be Robertson's the eighth inning guy, Dylan's the eighth inning guy, Canely's the seventh inning, or whoever, however it shakes out. It's just going to be based on the matchups, based on who's pitching well, based on maybe just gut instinct. You, you never know. I think it's just going to be a lot more free and open uh, and hopefully uh, you know, a, a lot more effective this year. Yeah. yeah. I would hope that there's no no roles. I'd, I'd kind of be open to that. And I think that's another reason that you want to keep uh, Chad Green in the bullpen because – Think of that bullpen. You got Chad Green, David Robertson. If Dallin Patances can get back, Dallin Patances, Tommy Canley, and Earl Chapman. And I might have missed somebody in there. Uh, Adam Warren's not bad either. So 
you look at that bullpen, this lineup, uh, (laughs) absolutely. Jason Jason Shreve is not bad. That's all. He's decent. I I don't mind Jason Shreve. Well, so you look at that all in totality, and the lineup gets a lot of, you know, we're all saying, oh, they could break the home run record. Well, this could be the best bullpen of all time. We're, you know, I think we're kind of skipping over that fact. And, you know, it rarely goes on paper the way you think it will. So I'm not going to go so far as to say that, but the potential is, potential is certainly there. So I don't know. I think that you just kind of keep it fluid, uh, like you guys are saying. Uh, just kind of go with the feel, go with the hot hand. Maybe maybe you start the season out with the fine rolls, you know, just to kind of have somewhere to start. But then as guys get hot, guys get cold, you can kind of deviate from there and, and go with who you need to go with in whatever situation. Yeah, you know, so mentioning Java Chamberlain just always reminds me of 2007. I mean, he was he was incredible, man. I mean, what was his ERA in that that short stint? I think I mean, low ones, low. maybe. I think it, you know it was like below 0.5, man. It was something. I'm looking up. It was 0.38, 0.38 mm-hmm. in 24 innings. The guy allowed one earned run. Just and it was oh, just incredible. And the the Yankees ruined him. Yeah, he's he could have been. Yeah, probably, yeah. He probably could have been one of the best, maybe one of the best closers out there. But who knows what could have been, right? If it's not broke, don't fix it, man. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's let's stay in the AL East, and you know the most popular trade that I see on Twitter. <laughs> I see it. I see this trade every day. Like I wake up every day on Twitter, and someone posts this trade on my timeline. It's just X amount of guys on the Yankees, X amount of prospects for none other than Chris Archer and you know every, every time you know I, I say to myself you know if you measured pitching by strikeouts he'd, he'd be one of the best in baseball but that's just not the case and I don't see why people think getting Chris Ar- like let me just ask you this if Chris Archer joined the Yankees right now what um, rank him rank the top five starters on the Yankees with Chris Archer on the team um, I'll take as it is right now. I'd probably go Severino, probably because I'm a big believer, Sonny Gray, and then I would put Chris Archer at number three, followed by Tanaka, and then I don't know who you want to say. I'd, I'd probably take uh, Gumby over CC. I would take, I would take Sevy one. I'd go Tanaka two. I'd probably go Archer three, then Gray four, and then uh, CC five. That's exactly what I was thinking. Same order for me. You you know Nick, you kind of put some disrespect on uh, Tanaka's name. You know Tanaka had a .9 ERA last point season. And I know it's just the postseason. I know he's still- just the postseason against the best uh, opponents. How can you no, discredit that? No, no, I'm just saying because you know it's a small sample size. I I, I realized Severino also was you know had a 5.6 ERA in the postseason, but you know I about three. Tanaka, I think he's bound for a little bit of a bounce back year. And if not a bounce back year, if Tanaka just does what he normally does, you know, wins 15 games, 3.3, 3.4 ERA, then he's a much better pitcher than Chris Archer. If Tanaka has a normal career year, that's much better than what Chris Archer normally does. So that for that reason, I would take Tanaka over Archer. I, I'm not saying that I would – I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying that I would take Archer over Tanaka, but – Let's be real. Tanaka has home run issues, and they aren't going away. Uh, Tanaka let let uh, thirty five dingers leave the, the yard last year in what thirty starts. So he's giving up more than a homer per game. And Tanaka had a four seven four ERA, so he was pretty bad last year. Now oh, I said this last I said this last night. He's going to be better this year because 
I don't think you get any worse than than that necessarily. So that's just why I, you know, Archer strikes some guys out. Um, the big problem with Archer is he walks a lot of batters. He walks like, let me look at uh, the last two years. He's you know walked three and two point seven batters uh, per nine innings. That's a lot of walks, and that's why you look at his ERA has been over four these bat uh, these past two years. So when I look at Chris Archer, I don't know you know, why somebody would think the Yankees could realistically trade for them? Because when you trade within the division, you're going to pay a pretty hefty premium on top of whatever it would take to normally acquire that guy because you're trading him within the division. To me, it is not especially worth giving up the massive, the massive prospect. I was going to say, especially the Rays, yeah, that the massive just gave up their team. Exactly. So I don't know why you would give that kind of a prospect haul to a team within the division for a pitcher that... I think we're all agreeing at best is going to fit in in the three or four spot in the rotation. Um, to me, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I honestly think the Yankees have some decent pitching depth. I know that uh, at least Andrew's not as high on Chance Adams as I am, but you have Chance Adams and Justice Sheffield who are at least you know being ticketed to be pretty decent in the MLB. Maybe they won't, but I don't know. Like uh, like Luigi said here, uh, Archer strikes dudes out. He struck out two, 250 batters last year, and that's great. But when you're walking guys and giving up runs, you know, you'd hear 250 strikeouts and think this guy's got a really good ERA plus. He had a 101 ERA plus last year. League average. Like one point before that. Yeah. So that's one point better than average and literally average the last year. So to me, I don't understand why people – and the same goes for the people who want us to get Manny Machado – why would you pay such an insane price for a, a guy to play, you know, potentially at most a season for us if he doesn't resign? So to me, I look at it as you probably got to look trades at trades within the division. You got to look at that and take it off the trade the table. It's just not worth what you're going to have to give up versus what you're going to get. Yeah, in, in a vacuum, do we want Manny Machado on the Yankees? Yes. Would we like Chris Archer on the Yankees in the rotation? Yeah. But considering the prospect package you're going to have to give up and what an in-division rival is going to ask for over, let's say, these guys are on the Brewers or the White Sox or the Angels or something, it, it's mind-boggling to think that there's such a huge portion of our fan base that is bleeding for these trades to happen. Yeah, I see, like, I've, I've kind of never been on the we need Machado train. One, because I don't think he's a good clubhouse guy, just based on – watching him and his antics I, I just don't think he'd be i just i don't know i just don't think he's a good i totally guy. agree he's um, been a clown Two, the guy is has never hit over 300 in his career he has a 330 career on base percentage i, I just don't and we're gonna have to pay like what 30 mil a year for him maybe not uh, that much maybe. but maybe I similar contract to what stan's making I could see 30 mil a year. I mean, you look at some of the prices these guys are going to demand. Like Bryce Harper, I like Bryce Harper. I would like Bryce Harper, but you know he's going to get paid way more than what he's worth. I mean, people are talking $400 million contract, and I don't think that's crazy. I would take Bryce Harper over Manny Machado in a second. Yep, same here. But here's another name that that no one talks about is also a free agent next year. Uh, I know he's not exactly a Yankee-type personality per se, but – Josh Donaldson's also a free agent, and if you want to wait out another year, you got Nolan Arenado uh, in the the winter of twenty, uh, excuse me, yeah, twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. Uh, those are, I think, better options at third base than Manny Machado. 
Yeah, I personally would rather have Donaldson. I, I like the guy. Um, I'm an Auburn guy, so of course I'm going to take the the Auburn third baseman that's won the, the MVP before. Maybe that's not a really good argument as to taking him over Machado, but you know, Arenado probably the best third baseman in the game right now. Uh, does anybody disagree with that? I mean, both offensively and defensively, that guy is insane. One of so, the, the things that, that drives me berserk still to this day is if you look at 2016, uh, he was the gold glove winner at third base. He was the silver slugger slugger winner at third base. And Chris Bryant won the MVP. I, I, yeah, explain that to me, that the guy could be the best defensive and offensive third baseman and yet not the best player in the league. Or excuse me, a guy who's not the best player at his position is better player in the whole league. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's crazy. Brian over Arenado. Arenado to me is much. I I don't want to say he's much better, but he's it's clearly better to me than Brian. Well, and this all could ultimately be irrelevant if we give Miguel Andujar a chance to start <laughs> this year. And what if Andujar comes out and hits close to 300, hits 20, 30 home runs? Is it even worth going out and spending all this money on a Donaldson or a Machado or even the next year in Arenado? Because are they really going to be that big an upgrade over, you know, Andujar for what you're giving up? So yeah. I think it, it, we keep circling back to Andujar. But, man, I think that it's so important to give him, you know, a chance to start to kind of figure out where the roster needs to be next year. Yeah, and the pitching depth that's available next offseason as well. Uh, I think Dallas Keuchel is a free agent. Clayton Kershaw can opt out, I believe. I think exactly. Yeah. Cranky can opt out. I mean, it, it's extraordinary the amount of pitching. I think David Price can opt out. out. <laughs> uh, I'd like to plug an article that I wrote when the uh, when the Red Sox signed David Price, and I personally guarantee you that David Price would not opt out of that, not opt out of that contract, and it's looking There's pretty no good chance. right now. Why the hell would he? Oh, that would that would be probably the single-handedly the worst move in sports history if he were if he were to opt out of that deal like you just well you, i remember that in man. that's a, that's just that's i titled that oh man you want to talk about I that decision. article to the red sox oh go ahead dan daniel murphy turned down the qualifying offer from the mets and then signed What's his contract? I think he makes like ten million a year with the Nationals. If he had taken that that yeah, QO with the Mets, gotten like sixteen mil, he could have gotten an extraordinary contract the next yeah. year. Yeah, he makes like ten mil a year. He hits like three forty or thirty homers. Outrageous. <laughs> well, and I titled that article that the Red Sox lose their minds and give David Price. They gave him more money than Clayton Kershaw was making. David Price is not. He's not even close to the pitcher that Clayton Kershaw is. I don't know how. How does that even add up? Like that just it just blows my mind, and then you see the Red Sox go hand out all this money to JD Martinez, and it's it's just funny how people used to make fun of the Yankees for for giving out massive contracts to to guys who you know were kind of past their primes or, or not that good, and now look at what the Red Sox are doing. It's it just makes me laugh. I mean, that's just in sports in general. That's just been what's happening. Where you've just seen like guy like Jimmy Garoppolo now is the highest paid player in NFL history. Or a guy like Mike Con <laughs> Mike Conley a couple summers ago for the Grizzlies made was the highest paid player in the NBA. And I said to myself, most people have never even heard of Mike Conley who just don't follow basketball. But, but that's the way it is, you know. David Price getting all that money. They're they're now cashing at the right time. A lot lot of money for for a guy that's coming out of your bullpen. And hey, he's great out of the bullpen, right? He was really good. But still didn't. Oh, that's a, a, a reliever. <laughs> 
Well, and it's it's funny. There's so much controversy in, in MLB right now versus the players' association versus you know the teams as far as you know. Oh, you need to be spending more money on these guys. Yada yada yada. And game, I, for one, am happy. Need to be shorter by five minutes, so well, I can at least enjoy a game. <laughs> well, as far as contracts go. It's kind of where I, I want to go with this real quick is, you know, I think teams are finally sitting back and saying, wow, let's not overpay by like $10 million a year for guys who aren't that good. Uh, and I think you, you look at um, a lot of teams are sitting here looking at next year's free agents. And I think they're saying, should we go overspend on a Mike Moustakis or Jake Arrieta? Or should we wait for, you know, next year, Manny Machado or uh, Dallas Keuchel? Uh, so exactly what happened in the laugh. summer of 2010, I believe it was. Or well, that's the, the first year with, you know, LeBron's decision. Uh, if you remember yeah. the, the previous season, the previous offseason, teams were just liquidating their their rosters. They Every team wanted maximum cap space so they could sign. Yeah. Bosh, Wade, really good Paul Pierce, LeBron, all these guys were available. It's the same situation, oh, I yeah. think. Well, and it's funny because the, the MLBPA wants to point fingers at the owners and say, oh, you're not spending your money right. Well, they're just deciding they don't want to spend, you know, overpay on players who aren't that good. And blame your own players who are free agents next year for being really good because teams want to, you know, sign and spend big on them and not these guys who aren't that great this year. Like, I, tr I truly believe that J.D. Martinez, it took him so long to sign with the Red Sox because he was just – I really think he was just waiting. He's like, wait, no one's lobbing me 200 mil? Like, no, J.D., no no one's giving you a lot of money, J.D. Every, and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are much better than you. Like, just sign your contract. Like, no one, no one wants to spend money this summer, as we saw. And the I, only reason he agreed to the deal he did is because like, he has, what, two opt-outs after the second and the fourth year? I mean, that's, that's the linchpin is if he – gets marginally underpaid for a year or two, then he can opt out and be a free agent again and give it one more shot. Maybe the market's changed in two years. Uh, that that seems to be the trend in contracts these days. It's just, that's just how the market works. Like in any sport, it doesn't matter how good you could be a great player. You could be an okay player. If you're the number one player in your position, headed to free agency, you're going to get a big deal. That's just, it might not be as big as if you were a great player, but it's still going to be a pretty big deal. And yeah, I mean this this was the coldest stove that I, I mean other than other than the stand yeah. trade, really nothing happened. I mean Well, it was all trades. Ozuna got traded, Yelich got traded, everyone of the well, Marlins got traded. Yeah, I, I was about to say, like other than other than the other than the absolute just dumping of guys, because like it was really like this was the summer of teams just tanking. Teams were like, All right, well, guess what? We're gonna suck this year. And that never happens in baseball, right? Because it's just no one tanks in baseball. Everyone tries to win, but I, I guess especially with the second wild card. Yeah, I mean it's very true. Look at the friggin' tw <laughs> look at the Twins. No one thought the Twins were gonna friggin' make the wild card, and hey, they they were pretty close to going up like twenty to nothing on the Yankees in that wild card game at first, <laughs> but they didn't. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know about, about you guys, but I for one am. Very excited. Going back to what Luigi said, there was a time in this country where an MLB baseball game was three hours flat. And we have progressed and advanced to the point in our country. And God bless, you know, the MLB for instituting this. We should hopefully <laughs> be down to two hours and 50 minutes a game. And that is a huge Thank win God. for baseball fans everywhere. Robin, the younger generation, 
the younger generation is absolutely going to be watching the games now because I know, I don't know about you guys, but I know at least 30 people who are saying, you know, man, I'd be a baseball fan, but, you know, if they're just 10 minutes, those games are 10 minutes too long. And now we finally hit that point where they're 10 minutes shorter. And I think you're going to see the MLB come back bigger and better than ever. And how many times do we have to bring up the World Series game? Most most people I know that don't watch baseball would not watch it if it were an hour long. If it were like 30 minutes long, they still wouldn't watch it. It's just baseball is just not for everyone. The sport of watching the sport of baseball isn't for everyone. And whether that sports three hours, five hours, two hours, it doesn't matter. This fans aren't going to change. You're good. Look at football. Football is the most popular sport in America right now. Those games are three and a half, sometimes four hours. I watch a Florida State game. It will start at like 8.15. It's like freaking midnight when it ends. And it's still the most popular sport in America. It's not the length of the game. you know. It's the action. Yeah. It's, and baseball has been doing pretty well in terms of expanding its game over the last few years. Much better than they were doing in you know, kind of like that post-steroid era when the league leader in home runs had like 36. You know? The second <laughs> wild card has been a godsend. Yeah, absolutely. And so have the juice balls, even though they won't admit it, you know. I think that <laughs> oh, I think absolutely I think that's the best thing Rob Manfred's done. You know, like Oh, I love know, it. You won't he won't take credit for it, you know, he'll he'll deny it, but good on you, Rob. We needed we some offense it. back. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Dude, a couple of years ago watching those Yankee games that every night it was like two one, three two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I want to blow my oh, brains out. I was saying that there the moment it would get to like three runs. The moment the other team had three runs, you just say, Well, for Michael K, Kenny Singleton signing out. It was over. It, it was freaking over. There was no chance they were going to win. It was like, Oh, let's see if Mark Teixeira and his half of a hand can muster one up here. Hey, let's you see. watch yourself. Mark Teixeira is a man. <laughs> oh, I love Mark Teixeira, but it was, t- it was tough watching those teams. Yeah. Um, what was the average? Someone pull up one of those lineups from like mid like 2014. Well, I'll tell you what the the 2013 squad had guys like Luis Cruz, Alberto Gonzalez, Reed Brignac. There was that one game with Travis Ishikawa, Ichiro Brian played, Robert, Austin Romine, and Chris Robert. Stewart. Was Brian Roberts? Or was he already? Was he already off? Brian Roberts was 2014, I believe, and then they got rid of him midway through the year and got Stephen Drew, who. Somehow didn't appear in our most hated Yankee poll from yesterday. There's a lot of guys we missed. The guy we missed that I couldn't believe I didn't think of was Tyler Clifford. Tyler Clifford oh, yeah. was literally hell. Like if I he ever might have single-handedly cost us the division. And when I don't think that's an exaggeration. To, when, you get, when you get to hell, there's just a 2017 highlight tape of Tyler Clifford and Chris Carter <laughs> playing on the loop. That's hell. That, uh, and then, that and then they open the door and Stephen Drew and Brian Roberts are sitting there with a cup of tea saying, hey, come sit down. Let's talk. Let's talk pace of play, guys. And then they open the door and they just show all of Starlin's pitches of him swinging at curveballs that bounce before the ball. <laughs> he the left-handed hitter's batter's box. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll miss Starlin. I feel so bad for him that he's on the Marlins. But, oh, my God, I won't miss him and his plate discipline. I would Jesus. literally say to my brother during games, it'd be like a one-two count. I'm like, watch. They're going to throw a curveball. It's going to bounce 20 feet before the plate, and Starlin's going to think he's going to hit it to Monument Park. Like, it's just <laughs> so obvious, and it would happen 90% of the time. Ugh. Better, Not good. Better times. Well, and, Not what you want. And, and kind of going back to the pace of play thing, like, at the risk of sounding, like, elitist here, I have a theory where I say if people don't like baseball – 
I just don't think they. I, again, I'm gonna sound like a, a douche here, but like I don't think you're smart enough to enjoy it. Then there's there's so much that goes into baseball. Yeah. Well, I know you, you guys. Time you guys aren't soccer fans. You guys aren't soccer fans, but people say the same thing about soccer. Soccer is a very like artistic, like they call it the beautiful game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a very like, well, yeah. I, I like soccer too, but you know, I, obviously. But to me, shortening a soccer game is not going to make me watch soccer. That's what it all boils exactly. down to, and like. And some of the things, like, I understand, and to the MLB's credit, I believe they shorten commercial breaks, which I think that's a big thing. If you maybe shorten the time that, say, a guy has to warm up, um, because there's some innings where you'll see three or four relievers get brought in. And in those cases, yeah, I can say, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous as far as time goes. But, like, like but when they – It's strategy. They, I mean, do those teams sure, have to stop? Sure. But I'm just saying in an, in an effort to maybe say, hey, you don't have as long to warm up. Be sure you're warm in the bullpen before you yeah, come in okay. kind of thing. I don't think that's – that's unreasonable. But like when you when you make the intentional pitch, you know, or the intentional uh, walk, one pitch. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I have seen where uh, Phil tries to intentionally walk somebody in the playoffs, and the ball gets away from them. They need to play these things out, and and it's not like people are being intentionally walked every game. How how much time does that actually does that actually save? That's what I don't get. Is you're talking about seconds of maybe one or two games. You know what I'm saying? And you know what you missed? It's, Remember Gary's rookie year? He hit that – it was supposed to be uh, an intentional ball, yeah, and it was left over. So he hit it like the track. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'll you never get that ever again. You know, Nick, you, you said something very incorrect. He said people – there's not intentional walks every game. I think there's going to be intentional walks almost every game with this Yankees team. Uh, I, I'm you really, are right. I'm really not exaggerating. Like, I think we're going to see, like – what 0.8 intentional walks a game for this team or something like that because between judge stanton and gary you're telling me one of those guys isn't going to get a free pass once a game but then what do you well, do you walk I think one that's guy another reason to keep them all together i think you keep judge gary and stanton together for that very reason because then you say well, well okay we'll walk you know judge oh we have to face stan oh we'll watch you know walk stan well, that's we have what to, was, to that's get what the same like i i want them to do that too but there's no guarantee right like it sure, could easily sure. be two judge two DD three Stanton four Gary five you know but well and to throw Andrew a bone here I I certainly I think he's capable of it I wouldn't really bank on it but like if if Greg Bird can come out and be like a thirty homer threat and hit I don't know somewhere between two fifty and like two seventy like how much deeper does that make this team if you have four elite hitters like that throw Didi in the mix you know if Aaron Hicks can repeat you know what he did last year and over you know the course of a full season this could be i just i just drool thinking of it this could be a really really good lineup that we haven't seen since like 2009 you know speaking of hicks there was one of our writers today who who will go unnamed that you know he was doing the pinstripe preview for ellsbury and he 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 made a prediction at the end of this this article and he said ellsbury was going to hit 288 with 16 homers and i i almost like closed my laptop i said <laughs> what are you? What are you kidding me? Like, what do you think Ellsbury's going to be almost a three hundred hitter? And he goes, "Yeah." And, and I, I really think he's just discounting. Aaron Hicks is the best defensive outfielder on this team, by far. I think you ha- you almost have to play yeah. Hicks. How great of a center fielder? Who else is going to play center field? You're telling me Ellsbury is half the center fielder and out there. Yeah, if anything, they put Gardner there. I, I, I Hicks mean, has got I, a cannon, man. Hicks has a cannon. He, I mean. That play he made, where was it? Where they? He brought two grand slams last year. <laughs> I mean, he did one was at home, and then one was in uh in Anaheim or yeah. LA. 
I hate how it's like LA and Anaheim. I don't even know what yeah. the hell it's The Los um, Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I have no, yeah, it's so Get stupid. it right. But yeah, I just don't see how you can say, oh, well, I think Ellsbury's going to win the job from Hicks. Like, Hicks would have to be hitting below 200 to lose that or job. Or be hurt. Yeah, or be hurt. Because even if, honestly, I would take Hicks hitting in like the 220s over Ellsbury hitting like 240, 250 and having his like noodle arm out there. Well, and I think a lot of it boils down to playing time. How is he going to get that many at-bats? Because I think yeah. you're going to have Hicks in center, Gardner in left. 15 home runs for Ellsbury. He would need yeah, to play 162 and get six at-bats every game. Like, there's no way. See, to me, Clint Frazier is ahead of Ellsbury on the pecking yeah, order, even. I think you've got to go through three guys. You've got to go through Aaron Hicks, Brett Gardner, and Clint Frazier. Well, I, according to some people who comment on our, uh, on our posts, uh, Clint Frazier's recovering from a very wicked concession. So I wish him the best with that. Hopefully he can get uh, maybe a, a snow cone to put on that concession and uh, help it feel better. Uh, so prayers maybe, for uh, Clint Frazier there. Maybe even some nachos. You know, some really expensive nachos. How much are you talking? I don't know, man. I'm thinking somewhere between 30 and 40 bucks. How about we meet right in the middle at 35? Yeah, I was that too. Great price. Good tries, good tries. Um, maybe that's yes. a good quitting point. Yeah, I was about to say maybe that's a good quitting point. Again, we're just we're just running through these guys. We're just we're gonna have a more structured schedule once the season starts. Actually, we'll just say it now. Honestly, we're probably gonna be going live six o'clock every Sunday during the regular season. That way, if there's a one o'clock game, we'll most likely be on after the game. And if there's an eight o'clock game, because we know there's gonna be a lot of a uh, Yankee games on Sunday night baseball will be on right before them. the game and it'll just be a nice little preview. So I think that's like the perfect time to perfect. have our show. And then we'll we'll always do shows. And when time something big happens, if a big moment in the game happens or a big trade or whatever happens, we'll be here. We'll when we trade for Manny Machado, we'll definitely be live streaming. So we're going to trade when we Chance trade Adams, no, Manny when we Drury, trade. Miguel Andujar. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> when we no, when we trade Brandon Drury for Manny Machado straight up, we will be on here to discuss it with all of you guys. So for Luigi, for Nick, for Andrew, we out.